Hey everyone, if you've been enjoying this series, there's something really simple you can do to help us. Go on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you've been using to listen to the show and leave us a nice comment and a good star rating. It just takes a minute and it will do wonders for helping new people discover the series. Thanks a lot and on with the show. This is Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt, race car radio's podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs. I'm David Hoffman, and your voices of reason are Mike Gansel and Matt Plosiak. Today, Larry Schuster of The Storytelling Company talks about his path to starting a successful small business in Shanghai, China, and how he forged it with equal parts networking, good luck, and courage. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, And today, we're going to do something a little different. We have uh, Larry Schuster of The Storytelling Company of Shanghai, China, with us today. And instead of him bringing a question to Mike and Matt, actually, we, Mike and Matt and I, would really want to ask you some questions because China just looms large on everybody's mind in business these days. It's the new, everyone says it's the new superpower. It's, it's, they're, they're either the greatest opportunity in the history of the world or the, the boogeyman that's coming to eat us all, you know, depending on who you ask. And uh, I think we really would, on behalf of our listeners, would love to know something about living and working in China and also what you do, which is helping Chinese people and people in Western countries communicate better with each other, which is fascinating. Mike, maybe you want to take it from there. So the first I'm going to ask you is like, what, when did the idea come to you that I'm going to do business in China? How did that happen? Yes, um, that was kind of an accident. I, for 20 years, I was a journalist in the U.S. I was at that time I was based in San Francisco. I was a, a medical journalist writing about things that what's the latest news in, in, in medicine. And I'd been involved with writing about technology and so forth and science for 20 years in the U.S. And I was getting a little bit uh, tired. I, I just didn't know where I could go with my career. So I thought China is a place with unbounded opportunities. I so was, Larry, what, I was, year, what year was this? I'm curious. Um, well, we're talking about 13 years ago by now. So we can do the math. We're talking about yeah. 205. Yeah, about 205. Did you speak Chinese? No. <laughs> How did he you? Did, he did speak English, though. I was pretty good with English. Well, you know, uh, first of all, Shanghai is an international city. So most of the time, I have no trouble with English. Although by now, my Chinese is, uh, um, I can tell the taxis how to take me home. So, wow, so you've been there 13 years and your Chinese is still on that level of sort of basic. And, and that, that actually reflects how, how many people speak English and how English has been really emphasized. So um, I find my clients who, I, I work with clients who speak English. Um, I'm not translating. If they speak English, I can work with them. If they speak Chinese, either I need a translator I, or I say, I'm not the right guy for you. And And... When you decided to make that leap, did you have an opportunity there you were jumping towards, or did you just pick up and go to China just for the heck of it? I mean, what was that process? Well, I I thought I might, uh, actually through my contacts here, I think it was my brother said, 
uh, he had a, a contact who knew a contact in in China that may be interested in talking to me about how I can help them with their communication issues. And then I was intrigued, and so finally, I just gave it a shot. For three years, I was the voice of a Chinese company. Actually, they said I was the face of a Chinese company. For three years, I worked uh, for a startup pharmaceutical company. I was there. They called me the international uh, business development manager. And uh, and one day, I had organized uh, a day where investors would come. And uh, basically, I would be giving a presentation about why they should invest in our company. So I got them there, and also I was the presenter, and next to me was the CEO and uh, another uh, uh, partner in the company. And But I would be speaking, and at the end of the day, I thought I did pretty good to bring the investors, and um, and then the, the, the partner in the company, he said... Larry, that was miserable. <laughs> that was encouraging. <laughs> Did he say it in Chinese or English? <laughs> he made sure it was absolutely really clear know. how he felt about it, let's say. And he was a tall guy, too. I had to look up. And, and I just, uh, it's one of those times where I had, you know, the best response was to be speechless. <laughs> <laughs> because what he was saying was absolutely true because I had never trained as a speaker or as a presenter. I was a journalist, but writing, writing. And uh, and so he found that I didn't have, you know, the charisma that he was hoping an American would have. He sees these American businessmen, and, or Westerners at least, and they have energy uh, just flowing everywhere filling the room with their presence and I didn't have that I was dry I was kind of uh, uh, always looking for did I say that right and he he hated that he said you just speak out you're the voice of the company if you make a mistake we'll let you know and so I had trouble with confidence I had trouble with charisma and um, so on and eventually had trouble with cash. He says it's over. <laughs> eventually it was over. But, but well, isn't, be- that, isn't that amazing that being fired from a job because you were a bad speaker and presenter led directly to your job being a professional presentation coach? <laughs> and that's true. I, I'd made a decision uh, um, that I'd made a decision that I'm going to take the skill that was my worst and make it my best. Yeah, that's well, a challenge. It sure sounds like you did that. You know, sometimes uh, the people around you who, who see something in you, they're your mirror. They see things you don't see so clearly. Uh, I was at a Toastmaster club. This is really where it started. Uh, Toastmaster, Toastmasters is an international organization that promotes excellence in public speaking and leadership. So I'm there. I'm one of the active members. Uh, goes every week. And... I, it was about nine years ago I started, and one day, uh, as always, when I would give a speech uh, talking about what so, something I did or was proud of, I'm talking, I'm sharing personal stories, and at the end of the meeting, uh, I was just having a chat as we're walking out of the room, and a woman from uh, a, a very large dairy company uh, and I, we were chatting, and she said. You know, you really are good with stories. 
why don't you come and do a two-hour lunchtime training for our managers, our management team? And so that really was the first um, moment of of a revelation, of self-revelation of, oh, people see me as a storyteller. I hadn't known that, mm-hmm. although storytelling was part of what I did as a journalist, but I didn't know it came out so strongly that they're re- willing to pay me pretty good money for these two-hour sessions. And that was the first time I thought, hey, there's a business opportunity. When she said that, I said, hey, there must be a lot of companies you know, interested in this kind of thing. So that's the moment where you discover your unique selling proposition, unique yeah. value proposition. Yeah. That's at that that's moment. That's the first moment, yeah. So tell us how that engagement went. Uh, I hate to say it. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> By the time I was ready to start, she said, oh, our company doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, but but it, it was, you know, what did you call it? Uh, serendipity. It, it didn't matter that we didn't do it. It planted a, an important seed in my mind about where to look for my future. And so, where, so what happened next? So I was a little frustrated that it didn't happen, but I sure. kept on going and I started to do more public workshops and people got to know me as the storytelling guy. So when you did these public workshops, um, did you do marketing? Did you do advertising? Who was your target? Yeah, uh, uh, so my target were uh, business people. Obviously, I just wanted to focus. How did you on find this. them? Yeah, so there, there was one, one, one thing that I did, which was I. I identified, I found some people who had um, consulting companies focused on presentation skills. And, and, uh, but they didn't usually focus on storytelling. So, for example, there was an early moment when um, this uh, owner of uh, such a consulting company, he asked me to do a, what they were calling a power breakfast. He, he did the marketing. He, got, he had his network of people, you know, his email list and so forth, and they would charge a certain amount of money, and I would come and I would be exposed. They would, they would see what I do. And that, that was really the first concrete beginning of doing business in China. And, so how did that go? And that, was, that's, that did work. That did work. Um, so you've probably heard of a bank called Standard Charter. Yes, I, for sure. That was my client. Through them. That's a big bank. It's a big bank, yeah. Yeah. And so they wanted to do storytelling for their in-house trainers. So I would be training the trainers. So I actually did that. You know, actually, the vignette that you've just described is really super. uh, Because in being a business person and doing business, it's so much trial and error. I don't care if you've gone to business school, I don't know about your education. Your education comes from the school of hard knocks. And we call it hard knocks because it means you get knocked down. And you get knocked down, now what do you do? And and the courage, you've gotta summon up that courage and you also have to say, and do what you did, which was saying, hey, if I really didn't, if I sucked at this, I gotta do something about it. And that's really the key in being in business for yourself, being that, doing that, because you have no one else. You were there in China on your own. And when the guy says, well, Larry, you're fired, you know, or you know, there's no more cash, you have no choice but to really just go deep down, dig down, and do what you did, which, which is admirable. To, it comes back to um, 
what we talked about in a previous episode about your philosophy of abundance in a way, yes, doesn't it? it does. That like this idea of luck, you said you need networking and luck. The luck comes from persistence in a lot of ways and in self in this idea that if I keep if I keep making myself open to opportunities, an opportunity will come. Eventually, if I keep yes. going out there and knocking on doors, someone's gonna open one. You know? But also I think what what Larry did was like a true entrepreneurial spirit where you know, a six, to be a success in business, you have to, you just don't, it just, it's not a straight line from start to, you know, uh, finish. You're going up and down. And the real success in business is being, figuring out how to overcome your latest failure. That's right. Yeah. And being prepared for overcoming the future failures because you, if you've been in business for a while, they're going to be there. You know it. That's true. So, Larry, that was really a That's great. That's a great vignette. You know, Love that story. We'll be back with more about Larry's incredible journey to business success in China. But first, a couple of important messages. Ah, welcome, people of Terra Firma. I'm Austin, Senior Vice President of Applied Transduction and Crossfading, here at the Nautical Soundwave Research Center at Racecar Radio's subaquatic headquarters. And we couldn't be more thrilled to tell you that Mind Your Own Business is being sponsored by Audible, the world's biggest and best provider of audiobooks. And guess what? You, our terrestrial listeners, can get a free audiobook by signing up for a no-obligation 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash myob, and you can choose from any one of their amazing collection of audiobooks. Ah, looks like we're getting a call from Mike on the book recommendation line. Mike, is that you? What's going on today, buddy? Uh, not much, just trying to find a good audiobook. What do you recommend? Well, I was thinking about the Challenger Sale, Taking Control of the Customer Conversation. That's by Matthew Dixon and Brent Adamson. And this is really a very interesting book. It uh, breaks down uh, some winning elements and a really powerful approach that is actually teachable skills for a salesperson. I think it's really a good book and should be on every sales guy's shelf. Ah, thanks, Mike. That does sound like a good book. And again, that book was The Challenger Sale, Taking Control of the Customer Conversation, written and narrated by Matthew Dixon and Brett Adamson. And that's just one of an amazing collection of audiobooks that you can choose from. Just go to audibletrial.com slash myob to sign up today for a 30-day trial membership. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash myob. If you're enjoying this show, you might also like some of the other podcasts on Race Car Radio. For instance, try London's New York. Tour guide, historian, and socialist agitator Dan London takes you on a deep and opinionated trip through some parts of New York City that are a little to the side of the usual tourist trail, and through the extraordinary, rich, and divisive history of one of the greatest cities in the world. I guarantee you it's a view of New York City that you've never heard before. Listen and subscribe now to London's New York at racecarradio.com. And now back to Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt and our special guest, Larry Schuster. How do you do that? How do you register a company in China? How do you write an invoice when you don't speak Chinese? How do you, I mean, all of this stuff, is fast, the nitty gritty of that is fascinating to me. First of all, in China, you can't just hang out as, an, you know, uh, as a tourist or whatever. You, you need a visa. You can't just be there. So I was coming up on, and my visa was about to be expired. How long was that? You get visas for every year, generally. 
um, and you need a work permit. So you need these two things. So uh, I was starting to become in my 60s, like 62, and uh, one day I'm going to the, to, the, to the government office which approves you for another year of work permit and visa, and they said, uh, I'm sorry, this is the last time we can approve you for working in China. You're too old. <laughs> I love it. it. There's just no way, unless you're a chief executive for a multinational company and so forth, and then you can stay. Well, I wasn't a chief executive. So um, <clears throat> this is where the networking was the solution. I went to a, a networking event, and there's Michael, another Michael. And I, he said, you know, I just incorporated in China, his company. Really? How? And he said, you just call this guy up, and his name is Kay. You just call Kay, tell Michael, tell him Michael sent you, he'll work it out for you. And, Mike, and Kay did. And uh, he has a consulting company that takes care of your taxes. He takes care of your invoicing. They have Chinese staff. So just once a month, I send them uh, my invoices and they'd work out the taxes. He got me registered. He got me my work permit. He got me my visa. How? If you own your company, you could be 100 years old. They don't care because you're going to be paying taxes. So there's a secret there. So now you're an official company in China. So, yeah. so the answer to how do you do it when you're not a CEO of a company is make yourself the CEO of a company. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so that's what I did. He's, as, uh, you know, if, when, once you're the owner of a company, they're going to leave you alone. And, and that's what's happened. But before that, there were a lot of no's. People were saying it's too expensive to register a company and start it. They were saying uh, a lot of things about uh, it's not going to work. It's not a good idea. And I can remember finishing a day of knocking on doors like that, or going with another Chinese person who would translate to make sure I got the clear message. And at the end of the day, it was, it was not promising. It was maybe I just have to go back to the U.S. And then it was that luck and networking where I met that guy, Michael, who had just happened, happened in that party to mention, uh, you know, I just put a, a company together. I just registered a company. That just offhanded remark said, that's the answer. How? And then all the doors open up, and then I can tell a happy story. That's great. So, but there are, there's definitely uh, some parallels here in doing business in the United States. And the, and the one word is really networking. I mean, and yes, luck, of course. Uh, luck comes, in my opinion, luck comes when you put yourself in enough places out there that somehow the forces that are surround you all the time, they seem to merge. But the reality is you must put yourself out there. And so when you're talking about networking, what the lesson learned that I'm getting here is it's universal. It's absolutely universal. You network in China, you network in the United States, you network, network, network. You keep talking to people, you keep listening to people, you keep getting a response, you keep asking them questions, you hone and hone, sharpen and sharpen and sharpen your message, and then finally one day it clicks. And along the way, you meet good people, you meet bad people, but you meet people who can help. And right. that's... So, you know, that's really so universal. And that's really a lesson we can take to the folks who are listening to us on this podcast is that there are, there are many similarities. As different as it sounds, is there are also similarities. 
when you when you want to start a business, there are all of those naysayers out there. No, it's too expensive. No, there's no way. No, you can't do this. You know, what happened? It's never been done before. Right. We it's don't been do done that. too many times. Right. right. That's a the great other. idea. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, I guess the there's well, how David Matt. You know, what's the lesson learned there about the nose? What, what you know? What do you think about that? Well, for me personally, my own uh, mental disease is that when somebody tells me I can't do something, my first reaction is to tell them, you know, screw you, I'll show you, I'll do it anyway. I've been like that since I was a kid. So I think that part of that is that entrepreneur is makes up, you know, what they call an entrepreneurial spirit is I've always run at things that are difficult. I want to do, I'm not interested in doing anything that's easy. If something's easy for me to do, I immediately assume that it wasn't worth doing, you know, and I don't feel any sense of accomplishment or interest in it. I'm only interested in doing things that are hard. Matt? So I, well, can I tell I got a little story? Sure. And, and uh, so this is, I was, I don't know, late 20s and had my first computer store. And one of our big clients was uh, a CPA, large CPA firm, um, one of the big eight at the time. And make a long story short, my manager of the store leaves and this partner in the CPA firm is financing him to open a competing store several blocks away. So I happen to be in Grand Central and lo and behold, I run into this guy. So we start talking. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm 28, 29. I'm like, I don't care about anything. I'm not. I'm not afraid. So I, I go up to him and I say, "Hi, how are you doing?" He goes, "Oh, you, well, you know, I just invested with Glenn, and we opened down the street, and uh, you know, we're going to put you out of business." Nice to see I you. I said, too, buddy. "Well, I said to him, when the going gets tough, the tough get going." So what did I do? Now this is a time when Apple was just becoming very popular, and I happen to know the regional manager for Apple. And th- his job was determining who got dealerships. So I we went up, I went up with my business partner and I convinced him not to give them an Apple franchise for at least 6 months because all he was going to do was drive the price down, which Apple didn't want anyway. And 9 months later, that store went out of business. <laughs> oh. That's, he threatened so, the wrong guy. So, he the wrong guy. <laughs> so I love it when people tell me no. <laughs> oh, about well, how to turn no to yes. That's that's true. Well, the Matt here, you know, I think the difference in personality between you and me is somebody says no to me, and I said I'll show you, I'll do better. And someone says no to you, and you say I'll show you, I will murder you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put because, you out of business. So, uh, so you know, I, so there's a lesson learned here too about that entrepreneurial spirit, whether. You know, it is that that taking, not taking no for an answer and turning into yes. And actually, you know, on my story about no, um, I had been working for maybe 18 years in a variety <clears throat> of different jobs. And all, all of my working career up until the, the, the day that I decided to start my own company was, gee, Mike, that's a great idea, but that's not the way we do it around here. Or just, no, I don't think that that's possible. No, I don't think so. Well, So when I decided 
to become partners with Matt and start a business. That was really, that really was what motivated me. I was going to create a company where I wasn't going to take no for an answer and I wasn't going to have people work for me who I would ever say, no, you can't do that. And, and, you, and you chose a partner who kept telling you no all the time, huh? No, not really. <laughs> not really. I, I, it seems to me there's, there's something here, too, about... Because every new opportunity any, any one of us is presented with, it's never to do the same thing you already did to, to do it again. That's, that's, not, that's not what the new opportunities are. The new opportunities are to take this thing you did, combine it with this other thing you kind of did, and this other thing you've never done before and say, yes, I can do that with enough confidence to convince somebody to pay you for it, right? right? right. And I, I really think that, you know, some people, when they're presented with an opportunity like that, they look at it and they say, well, I've done that, but I've, not, I've only started on I've never done that part. I don't think I can do it. And then some people say, yeah, you know what? I've done that. I've done that. I understand that other thing. And this other thing, it seems like maybe I can fake it. Yes, I can do that. Give me the opportunity. Mm-hmm. That, that's interesting and, and you, it's you say that, thing. Dave, because... If I think back, I'll say almost every business that I started was because it was something new that I found fascinating, interesting, uh, thought I could make money at, and I I just I love doing new things and figuring out new markets. But but the, uh, that's true. But the but I go back into what we've all experiencing is that. The key is to take that skill set that you were a journalist, you had a skill set, you had the ability to write, to read, to formulate thoughts. You, we all take that and then we reinvent ourselves as an entrepreneur all the time because now you can do the writing. Well, can you take that writing and now talk it? Can you, you've written about stories. You've done the research. Can you now talk speak, about it? Yeah. Can you speak about it? And, you know, the same thing is true for all of us in this room, David, you, uh, Matt, myself, is that we, and I think the key for the entrepreneur is to basically understand that you can constantly and consistently reinvent yourself by taking that skill set, stretching it, you know, making the tweaks, really taking on the challenges, doing, you know, when somebody says you were miserable at it, taking that feedback and making those changes and continuously reinvent. That's really the, this entrepreneurial spirit that we talk about. So, Larry, the last question is, what's the future for you? Are you, are you going to stay in China or are you coming back to New York? It's keep going. It's keep going. I'm hoping I'll be um, become more international. That's one reason I'm here in New York and doing this podcast. Um, uh, but but what I'm trying, wh- where I am now is I realize I accept that now I have the foundation with both skills and and reputation to build from there. And now it's about building a team, building uh, much more um, a sophisticated marketing. Uh, much more effective marketing so it's not just uh, word of mouth and so I'm taking the steps to identify some people who can help me with that that's great thank you so much super so uh, Matt and Larry I guess you just have to mind your own business right (laughs) Larry mind your own business in Shanghai I I think I'm gonna mind my own business if 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 Matt you could just mind your own business over there sure that's it thank you Thanks for listening to Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt. 
The stars of the show are Mike Ganzel and Matt Plosiak of Voice of Reason Consulting, www.voiceofreasonconsulting.com. I'm David Hoffman, and I produced today's show with the assistance of Austin Cologne. You can learn more about my own business at citizenracecar.com. Today's Mind Your Own Business is brought to you by Audible, where you can get the free audiobook of your choice by signing up for a no-cost 30-day membership at audibletrial.com slash M-Y-O-B. Never miss an episode of Mind Your Own Business by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and many of your other favorite podcasting apps. Find those links at racecarradio.com slash mindyourownbusiness. You can also follow us and interact with the show on social media at MYOB Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt is a production of Race Car Radio, www.racecarradio.com.